Well, we're so very blessed to be together tonight. Good to look out and see all who've come out to worship our God. Uh, we have some visitors with us. We're really happy that you can be here to honor the God of heaven. As we announced this morning, we've got a lot of our own that are out sick and various things, but um thankful we can be here and we're prayerful for those that cannot be here but want to be. God has blessed us so richly with a, a beautiful day, beautiful sunshiny day that we surely enjoyed that today. Uh, I was telling somebody a minute ago, I got out and looked at the red buds a little bit this afternoon. It's, it's such a wonderful thing to see spring coming. Personally, I know my wife doesn't like the warmer weather that's coming, but uh, but I do, so you know I'm thankful. God riches, blesses us richly. Among the other great blessings that we've had today, I got word from a couple of our brethren in Zimbabwe. Fadzanai messaged me, and there were two baptisms in Shingai where he preaches uh, we're thankful for that. Also, Tazvitia messaged, and uh, there were two baptisms where he is, where Taz and Reason work. We're so thankful for the good work that so many of the men that we support are doing, and our new loved ones in Christ that uh, we're having regularly from uh, the support that uh, these men are receiving in order to do the work. Well, as you see on the screen, we'll be talking about things that money can't buy. Money can't buy any of those things I was just talking about. There's a lot of stuff that money can't buy. It can't buy a lot of our blessings. And we need to understand that. The lesson tonight is very simple. It's not a principle that I think we misunderstand or don't understand. I think we understand it. Sometimes you need to preach about things that we understand so we don't forget them. Sometimes you need to preach about things that are spiritual so we're not caught up in the material. And hopefully this lesson tonight will, although it is simple, help us along that line. We live in such a materialistic society. We are pressured all of the time with materialism. You cannot turn on the television, uh, drive down the road without seeing these billboards, right? Everything. It's all, give us your money. We want more money. And at work, if you work, if you have a job, there's all of this pressure to make more money, to make the company successful. If it's your company, to make your company successful. Whatever it is, there is constantly this materialistic pressure and yet, money won't buy everything. Simon the sorcerer didn't realize that. You might remember the story in Acts chapter 8. Uh, he tried to purchase the ability to pass on miraculous gifts from, uh, from Peter and John. And Peter says to him in Acts 8 and verse 20, Your money perished with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. The gift of God cannot be purchased with money. And the thing is, all good gifts come from God. And you can't purchase them with money. Or you may use your money to get something that God provides. <laughs> but He provided it. And He provided you the ability to earn the money. And it's not all about money. We'll start and end with this principle in this lesson. Your life does not consist of the abundance of the things that you possess. It's not what life is about. It's not what anybody's life is about. And yet the world has such a hard time understanding that. A story is told about a college professor. He was giving a teaching a calculus class. And uh, my experience with calculus in college is, well, we won't talk about that. Uh, but it's a difficult subject for many of us. Um, he's given this big exam. And uh, as he's taking up the papers toward the end of class, uh, one of his students, he noticed, had paper clipped a $100 bill uh, to... <laughs> to the test, and a little note on it that said, uh, 
$1 per point. So in other words, $100, he was hoping to make 100 by giving his professor a $100 bill with this test. He got the test back the next class period with a, a 36 on it in big red, you know, 36. That was his score, $64 in change. Uh, <laughs> there's some things you can't buy with money. Some things you can't buy with money. It's hard for many to understand that you can't trust money for every problem. Money talks, but as the poet Richard Armoire one time said, that money talks, I'll not deny. I heard it once, it said goodbye. And that's how much you can rely on money. The wise man in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 5 says it this way. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. They just fly off. And it's gone. You've had that experience, right? Nowadays, maybe not so much. We don't even carry money in our pockets much anymore. But back in the day where before the debit cards and all of that, you know, if you wanted to buy anything or uh, any emergency came up, you better have some money on you. And I can remember the experience, especially when I was young and just learning how to handle money. I'd have that money in my pocket and then I'd go out to buy something or something could come up that I needed to spend money for while I was out. And I'd get my wallet out and I'd look in it and that money wasn't there anymore. It's like it just flew away, right? <laughs> and that experience. And I really even couldn't remember what I spent it on. But it wasn't there. And so that's, that's how trust, trustworthy it is. Here are four things that money can't buy. Money cannot buy wisdom. Wisdom can be trusted. Money can't be. Wisdom does not belong to the highest bidder. It is more valuable than riches. And few of us appreciate its value. When we're talking about wisdom, we're talking about something that is associated with knowledge, but there is a slight distinction to be made. Knowledge is composed of facts, while wisdom is the ability to use the facts, uh, as simplistic as I can make that. So knowledge is stuff that you know that's usable, and then wisdom is the ability to use that and to use it skillfully. Knowledge belongs to those who work hard and study and apply themselves to learning. Wisdom belongs to whoever God gives it to. Wisdom comes from God. Wisdom is more valuable than riches, as we've said. Proverbs 8 and verse 11, Wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. Few people appreciate the value of wisdom, of being able to apply what you know in a proper and skillful way to live your life well. God gives you that. There are a lot of people that know a lot of things, but they don't know how to live. Wisdom is how to live. If you know where to, where to obtain it even, go with me in your Bibles to, Proverbs, to Job rather, chapter 28. Job 28. I want to look at some things that, that Job says here uh, concerning the nature of wisdom. He asks a question in Job 28 and verse 12. Where can wisdom be found? Where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. Think about what he just said. Man does not know its value. And what he's implying is man doesn't know where to find it most of the time. 
And so in verse 14, the deep says, it is not in me. The sea says, it's not with me. It cannot be purchased for gold, verse 15 says, nor can silver be weighed for its price. You cannot buy wisdom. But in verse 20, from where then does wisdom come? Where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say, we have heard a report about it with our ears, but God understands its way. He knows its place. God knows about it. He knows where it is, where it comes from. So Job, as he concludes this thought, as he gets down to verse 28, to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. So to respect God and respect His Word, to turn away from evil and do the things God is saying to do in your life, here is how to live life skillfully and well. That is wisdom, and that is where to obtain it. Wisdom plainly is a gift from God. James chapter 1 and verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now note that God gives you the ability and the understanding to apply his word. But you have to have the knowledge of his word to apply it for wisdom. Follow that. There are a lot of people who have this idea in their head that what James 1.5 is saying is, well, all I've got to do is pray and God's going to give me knowledge, which is not promised in this passage. But we think God's going to give us knowledge and then the ability to apply it. But that's not what God's promising. He promises wisdom. He expects you to work to get the knowledge, although that itself is a gift from God as well, but it's not given in the same way because knowledge is given right here. His Word is knowledge. He's given this to us. And we take it, we put it in ourselves, and then we pray that He will help us apply it in the right way, the right time in season and out of season, in every aspect of our lives, so that we might be successful in His estimation. That is the nature of wisdom and where it comes from. We begin to obtain wisdom when we respect and apply God's Word to our lives then. And here's what the Proverbs really are all about. Proverbs 2, verses 6 and 7, The Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. That just lays out uh, completely all that we've just said concerning wisdom. The Lord gives it. From His mouth, first of all, comes knowledge and understanding. And then He helps us to live it out as we should. You cannot buy that. You must rely on God for it. He's the source of it. As He's the source of all good. You cannot buy health. Now you're going to say, okay, wait a minute. Uh, those of us, you know, who have a little bit of money maybe, or who have good health insurance, we have a lot better health care than maybe somebody who doesn't have health insurance or uh, 
bless those who live in the third world countries that some of us have visited, uh, Southern Africa or Guatemala or wherever it may be, who have no access to the kind of health care that we have. And so from that standpoint, we think, well, prosperity and money does supply health. Well, no, it doesn't. Because the reality is that people get sick in America like they do in Southern Africa or Central America or wherever. And people die in all of those places. We'll talk about that some more in a little while. But the truth is that money cannot buy health. The rich and the poor both suffer sickness. We may have better medicines here in the United States than most any place else in the world. But they won't keep us from getting sick. Doesn't necessarily mean we'll get well just because we have the better medicines. We've got people in this congregation right now who have serious illnesses, some not able to be here tonight because they're sick. I'm sure if I talked to Fadzani or Tezviti or anybody there in, in Zimbabwe, they'd say they, there were people that didn't come to church there today because they were sick. Same all over the world. So where does health come from? And how can we get it? And how should we regard it? People have been known to spend small fortunes for one more day of life. Just a little bit more health. But it doesn't matter how much money you spend sometimes. Fake healing evangelists, not only in America, but all over the world, say, if you send me money, I will bless you with uh, health. I remember a few years ago, and there have been all sorts of different ploys, but there was a fake healing evangelist some years ago. If you send him money, he would send, he would send you some holy anointing oil. Uh, that you could put on yourself and it was supposed to affect healing. Someone else one time, or Robert, several years ago, had these handkerchiefs that he was uh, basically selling. If you send him a contribution, he would send you this handkerchief. Because, you know, after all the Apostle Paul, people would just, uh, in Ephesus, they would just, handkerchiefs that would had touched him, they would take that, those and apparently could be healed if, by their faith. But uh, I don't think anything Oral Roberts ever sent out was able to do that. Couldn't be bought. You cannot buy the gift of God with money. Now we can hurt our health. We can destroy it by sin and the consequences of sin. There's no doubt about that. The psalmist writes in Psalm 38 and verse 3, There's no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. There are a lot of health problems that are associated with sinful or at least unwise behaviors. And we can think of a whole litany and list of those things. Heard just another report just out here in the last couple of weeks about the deleterious effects of alcohol on the human body. Even just a little bit of it. But you can think of other things that people do uh, that harm their bodies, some of which are sinful, some of which are unwise, and not in accordance with the wisdom of God. The psalmist knew about that. So while we should care for our bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit and do our best to keep them in good working order so that we can serve the Lord to the best of our abilities, health and well-being is ultimately a gift from God. The Lord says something interesting to me. I've, I've always I've pondered long on this verse. It's just a little part of a verse, but I don't think we're taking it out of, it out of context. I realize he's talking to Israel, but... In Psalm 103 and verse 3, the text says that God heals all your diseases. 
Now, that's not a promise that he's going to heal you of everything you ever get. That's not what that's saying. What it is saying is this. If you are healed, the healing comes from God. Healing certainly doesn't come from the devil. Right? Healing comes from God. He heals all your diseases. It's a gift from Him. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 19, there the wise man says, As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. Contemplate, just a minute, get your head around what the wise man is saying in Ecclesiastes 5.19. So, suppose God blesses you with material wealth as he has blessed virtually everybody in this room with far more material wealth than most people in the world. Reality, right? That's reality. So you have all this stuff. You have a refrigerator full of food, a cupboard full of more food, a freezer full of more food yet. Go up and down, you know, the streets of Athens or restaurants all over the place. You can't even visit all of them in a year probably. There are so many. Here we have all this and the, and the wherewithal to, to spend money at all these places and buy all these things. But if you're so sick, you can't eat anything. What good does that do you, right? You can buy all the food in the world. God might bless you with all sorts of material blessings. But if you're on your sickbed, or worse yet, your deathbed, and you can't get up so much as to go into the next room, all that does you no good, and all of that won't buy you any health. That's what he's saying. Look at it one more time with that in your mind. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, that would be most of us here, and given him power to eat it. <laughs> That's where the health comes in. This is a gift of God. Not just to have things, but to be able to enjoy those things with health. It's no wonder that John, in addressing uh, his third epistle to Gaius, prays that he would prosper and be in health just as his soul prospers. Prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. Those things come from God. Money cannot buy time. Go now, go, go now over with me to uh, Luke chapter 12 and the familiar passage, the story that Jesus tells to teach this great lesson about the importance of spiritual things over physical things, the importance of being right with God over having things. Money cannot buy time. Jesus spoke a parable to them in verse 16 of Luke 12, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. He thought within himself, saying, what shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? 
So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Now there's all sorts of mistakes that this fellow makes. There's all sorts of assumptions that he makes that he shouldn't have made. He's focused on himself. He's focused on his future. The worst assumption of all is that he believes he controls his future. When the reality is he didn't even have a future. The many years that he mentions there, he didn't have. For God will say to him, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. Then whose will these things be which you've provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So the lesson is, it's actually multifaceted. I think the main lesson is, let's focus on spiritual things and not material things. Which is also the main point of this lesson. Right? There are things money can't buy. And we need to be focusing on the things that money can't buy. But in teaching this lesson, he also teaches this sub-point that I'm trying to teach right now, and that is that you're not guaranteed time, and that money won't buy you time. It will not buy you time. Queen Elizabeth I, on her deathbed, is said to have said exactly this, all my possession, all my possessions, I would give for a moment of time. But she didn't have another moment of time. In James chapter 4 and verse 13, James in very plain language warns us, Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. You do, you do not know. You do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. It is, as Job said, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. They go by so quickly. And it just disappears. Someone said one time it's like you're outside and it's snowing, you catch a snowflake on your hand and as you're looking at it, it disappears while you're trying to figure out what to do with it. That's life. That's time. It appears for a little while and vanishes away. Death is certain, and money cannot buy more life. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. There's an appointment that we will keep, barring the Lord come again. We will all keep that appointment. And very poignantly, the writer of Ecclesiastes says to us in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 8, no one has power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit. No one has power in the day of death. There is no release from that war, and wickedness will not deliver those who are given to it. There's nothing you can do to get out of it. When we think about death, and hopefully we do from time to time, it's healthy. Uh, Ecclesiastes says also it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. It's better to go to the funeral home sometimes because that is the end of all men and the living will take it to heart. Sometimes it's good to think about death and to realize that something 
we're not getting out of. There is no release from that war. There's no, hey, let me make a deal. I'll make a truce. (laughs) No getting out of it. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Howard Hughes, famous millionaire of years past, spent years as a recluse in isolation, trying to stay away from germs. Spent untold amount of money trying to keep himself healthy. Died anyway. Because that is the end of all men. It is appointed unto man once to die. Ecclesiastes 8.8 No one has power over the spirit to retain it. No one has power in the day of death. There is no release. And Psalm 49 and verse 10 says that God sees wise men die. Likewise, the fool and the senseless person perish and leave their wealth to others. Doesn't matter how much they had. They perish. And lastly tonight, money cannot buy heaven. It cannot buy eternal life. It can't buy physical life. It can't buy physical health. And it cannot buy eternal life. Sinners cannot buy their way into heaven. It'll never work. God does not need our money. See, in order for money to be worth something, the person that you're trying to buy something from has to value the money. If the money doesn't mean anything to them, right? you're not going to get anywhere with it. In Acts 17 and verse 25, the Apostle Paul has been in Athens, Greece. He's impressed with all of the many idols that they had around the city. He even had one to an unknown God, right? And all of those idols and all of the opulence of Athens in its day and even the ruins of it can be seen today as just really extravagant in its beauty. The, the amount of, of money, of human toil and ingenuity that had gone into the beauty of Athens and all of this idolatry and all of the money that was given to those idols and the shrines that, that lined the Agora in Athens, all of that wasn't going to help anybody get closer to God. Wasn't going to help anybody go to heaven. And so what Paul says in Acts 17 and verse 25 as he's addressing the men of Athens on Mars Hill, In talking about God, he says, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. What are you going to give somebody who has everything? In the Old Testament, God says, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. What do I want from you? He doesn't need that. What he wants is us. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. There's what God wants. He doesn't need that, but he wants it. 
It's something that he does desire. And he's gone to great lengths to get it. His son has died for you. He's planned and purposed this eternal uh, salvation plan and hope for us. Yes, he wants that. But you can't pay him for it. He just wants you. He just wants you. Now, once he has you, once you give yourself to him, you're going to be a good giver. (laughs) You're going to love to give to his cause, to support uh, the preaching of the gospel, to help those who are needy, to share with your neighbor, uh, to be caring for to young people and old alike. You'll be happy to give. But all of that comes because you've already given all of yourself to him. When Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he's trying to get the Corinthians to do some giving that they said they were going to do to help the poor saints in Jerusalem. And he talks about those in the churches of Macedonia who gave so richly, not because they had a lot to give, they gave out of their poverty. But he said, they gave even better than we hoped, he says, because first they gave themselves to the Lord. When you give yourself to the Lord, then what you have that can bless others, that can forward His cause, is at His disposal. Because He's already got you. We've talked a lot in the time that I've been here about helping others near and far. About caring about the less fortunate. And I'm so thankful that we've had so many opportunities to do that and continue to have. I know the brethren in faraway places that we've been able to help are grateful to God and it all compounds to His glory. Proverbs 11 and verse 4 says that riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath. All the money in the world is not going to do any good when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. No one has enough money to redeem the soul. Not Bill Gates, not anybody. Psalm 49, those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their souls is costly. It shall cease forever, that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. The redemption of souls is costly. But, as Jesus says, there's no amount of money. There's no amount of material anything that can equal the the value of even one human soul. You remember the question he asked in Matthew 16, 26. What will a man give? It's rhetorical. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? There's nothing that, mat- that, that comes up to that amount. But Jesus paid the price. The ultimate price. Though he was rich, he became poor for our sakes. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12, with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Redemption. The buying back, the paying of the price to save a life, to save our lives for all eternity. The price is paid 
by Jesus Christ. I think we know, know that. We understand it. The best thing that anybody can do with their money is to glorify God with it and to use it for His cause. It's no wonder that Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17, instructing him in his work as a preacher. And I take this, I take the writings that, uh, of Paul to Timothy and Titus very seriously as sort of my job description. <laughs> if you ever want to see, well, do we have a job description for Steve? What is it that he's supposed to be doing anyway? Does he ever do anything? Read First and Second Timothy and Titus. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not guaranteeing that I'm doing all of that. I'm just saying that's what I'm supposed to be doing. The letters that were written to preachers. Here's what Paul told a preacher to tell people. Command those who are rich in this present age, that's you, not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Why? Are they buying heaven with that? What's their motivation, God? Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. You see, if you haven't given yourself to God and if you're not willing to give all that you have in His service, you're not ready for eternity. The foundation to get yourself ready for eternity is to give yourself to God and put all that you have at His disposal. The rich young ruler was told by Jesus, sell all that you have, come and follow me. And he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. There was no foundation for him to follow Jesus. No foundation for him to stand on, to inherit eternal life. Because he wouldn't give himself. I have just a few more things to say and the lesson will be yours. Someone has said that money cannot buy you many things. Poverty can't buy you anything. <laughs> in a material way, I suppose that could be true. But Jesus did say in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It is poverty of spirit and humility to see who we are before an almighty, all-powerful God whose riches of grace are beyond our imagination. It is in seeing that and understanding that that we obtain heaven itself. Let's be humble. Trust money less. Trust God more. And as I said, we'd end with this as we began with it. What Jesus said so long ago. Beware of covetousness. Beware of greed for material, of material things. For a man's life, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. It's all about a relationship with the God of heaven. He wants you. He wants to give he wants you to give you to Him. Would you do that tonight? Come and name His name. Christ as your Lord.
Give your life. Die to the old man. Be buried in baptism. That the old man might be put to death and you can rise to walk in newness of life. Here's the opportunity to find true wealth and the hope of eternity. There's a lot of things that money can't buy. It can't buy your salvation. But God wants to give it to you. Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?